Well, would you open your Bibles tonight to Proverbs, the fourth chapter, and the first verse. Hear you children the instruction of a father, and attend to no understanding. For I give you good doctrine. Forsake you not my law. For I was my father's son, tender and only beloved in the sight of my mother. He taught me also and said to me, let your heart retain my words. Keep my commandments and live. Get wisdom. Get understanding. Forget it not. Neither decline from the words of my mouth. Forsake her not, and she shall preserve you. Love her, and she shall keep you. Wisdom is the principal thing. Therefore, get wisdom. And with all your getting, get understanding. Get it. A few weeks ago, we began talking about this and studying this, pursuing this. Talking about the wisdom of God. According to this text and others, we're charged to get it. Well, when you're told to get something, you don't just lay around lazily and do nothing and wait for it to fall on you. Right? You get it. Get it. Appropriate. Go lay hold of it. My granddad called us to the table Sometimes, and he'd say, uh, come on, boys. We stayed with my grandparents a lot when we were, we were small. My folks were working, especially during the week. And he'd say, well, peas and pawn, eat it or leave it alone. <laughs> we ate a lot of peas. I like peas. And uh, when you called, you don't just sit there at the table and cry and say, nobody would pass me the peas. There's the peas. Right? (laughs) Appropriate. And when it's on your plate, get it. And when it's available to you, get it. Get it. Get it. Well, is wisdom available to us? Is understanding available to us? But we have to get it. So we have been acting on this word. Every time we come here on these Friday nights, I am come here to get some wisdom. In preparing to minister to you. I was after it. Right? To get some understanding. To get some wisdom. And so we're not just talking about this subject. We are acting on these words. In these sessions. I'm stirred in my spirit about this. Are you at all? I believe I've already received. More wisdom and understanding. I know I have. More wisdom and understanding than I had before we began this. I'm seeing things I haven't seen. I'm understanding things I haven't understood. God's given us light on this. Not just to talk about it, but to receive it. Let me review a little bit for you. We said, what is wisdom? Well, we said, literally, it means skillful. Skillful. Well, how how do you understand that? Well, we talked about the three things, knowledge, understanding, and wisdom. They are not the same. Knowledge is knowing something. It's being aware of something. Understanding is having insight into 
what you know. I mean, uh, I fly. And I go to school all the time. And uh, something that I've endeavored to get more understanding on is turbine engines. Because for years now, whatever I've been flying, I've known what the engine does. I've known how much thrust it puts out. I've known a specific fuel consumption. I've known a number of things, but I did not understand. I'd still look at it and go, how does it do that? Are you with me on that now? I know this engine produces 2,200 pounds of thrust at this temperature. I know that, but how it does it? Is another thing. That's where the understanding now. Somebody who overhauls turbine engines. They understand. How that engine will suck in a bunch of air. And spray fuel in there. And ignite it. And compress it. And blow it out. And make that thrust. They understand how it does that. But you can ride on an airplane. Without understanding any of that. You just know it does it. But you don't understand how it does it. Like Brother Hagin used to say as a little boy, he could not figure out how a brown cow eat green grass, give white milk, churn it and make yellow butter. He could not figure that out as a little boy. But all the while he's a trying to figure it, he's a drinking the milk and he's a eating the butter. So you can enjoy something you don't understand. But to go to certain levels of something, you got to have some understanding. So I'm just trying to differentiate between knowledge and understanding. But now wisdom is neither of these. And that's what, you know, people talk about going to school and getting wisdom. Not necessarily. You can come back with three degrees. You can be a so-called walking encyclopedia and not have any wisdom. You can be a so-called walking encyclopedia of knowledge and be a fool. No, got knowledge and you got understanding into the knowledge, some insight into how this thing works and why it works and where it comes from and where it's going, understanding. Oh, but then you got wisdom, which is divine skill. I mean, it is from the grace of God. It is the gift of God, grace that he puts in your insides, skill of how to use what you know. Skill of how to use what you understand. And he said, it is the principal thing. And everything you get, get it. Get it. If you've read Proverbs, and I encourage you to while we're studying this, read Proverbs. You know, if you just read one a day or something. Read some of the Proverbs. He goes into it. He said, you know, it's more valuable than anything you could get in this world. Any amount of gold or silver or jewels, nothing's to be compared to it. Is it? Is the wisdom of God worth more than all the money in the world? It is. One of the most tormenting things in this life is not knowing. Indecision. Not knowing what to do. Not knowing what's going on. What to do next. The torment of the ignorance and the confusion and the indecision. The Bible calls it darkness. Oh, but in His light, we see light. And when light comes, you know what to do. 
When light comes, you're no longer second-guessing everything and wondering, should I or shouldn't I, or will they or won't they, or is it the will of God or is it not? All that stuff is darkness. We have an unction of the Holy One. And the Bible said, we know by this unction all things. We have the mind of Christ. We're supposed to get up and know what to do and know where to go and know how to pray and know what comes next. No, 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 no. Now, you will not know that and operate that way by watching eight hours of TV a day. Or by just reading a bunch of ungodly publications or by talking a bunch of unbelief with your buddies down at the job. But if... You'll commune with God if you'll fill yourself full of this word. If you'll speak in a new tongue and build yourself up on your most holy faith. Light from the inside of you will begin to come up in an increasing measure. And illuminate your mind. And you'll know things that you could not have figured out on your own. You'll understand things that you could not have understood on your own. Things will happen. Other people will panic. And you'll just be as cool because you'll know what to do. Come on now. Other people will be stressed. Challenges of life will arise. You'll get a bad report. And you'll just look at it and go, no, no, no. And I was praying about this the other day. I didn't know it, but I was. And I just know in here what to do about this. I know what to do. I'm going to stand on this. I'm going to say this. I'm going to do this. I'm going to sow this seed. I'm going to do that. And it's going to be okay. The wisdom of God knows the way out of every difficulty and the way through every challenge and attack. You do believe now that there's nothing and nobody that can stump God. Huh? There's nobody. Nothing could ever come up. There is no situation in life that can arise that you catch God off guard. And he goes, huh. I hadn't thought about that. Has never happened. Never will. And the one who already knows the answer to everything. Is not some far off place. He's inside you. He's right on the inside of you. Right on the inside of me. So why shouldn't we be tapping into this wisdom? But don't just be passive about it. What did he say? Get it. Get it. Be aggressive. Get up in the morning looking for your wisdom for the day. Right? Talk in faith saying, I'll know what to do. The Lord is ordering my steps. He's directing my paths. I'm his sheep. I know his voice. I'll do the right thing. I will make the right choices. I'll make the right decisions. I will know what to do. And you got to say that when your head feels like a foggy morning. This is by faith. you got to say, I will do the right thing. I will make the right choices. It's obvious you made the wrong choice the last three times. We walk by faith. We live by faith. Let's talk faith in this area. And the more in agreement you get with him, the more wisdom will flow to you. Now, last uh, Friday, we went into some detail talking about How we can increase in wisdom. How we can get more wisdom. We said you must value wisdom. The Bible said wisdom cries for you. And what must we do? We must cry out for it. We must hunger and desire for it. We also said you must be teachable. Among other things. 
Now, what's happening in being teachable, God is giving you wisdom. But the question is, will you receive it? So there's a lot of folk that God's given them wisdom and they don't want to hear it. They don't want it like that. It means I got to change. It means I'm wrong. And they just don't want it that way. They don't want to hear it. And when you refuse truth, what else is there? If you reject the truth and refuse the truth, you refuse the counsel of God, there's nothing left but lies to believe. And the moment you do that, the devil's going to be right there with an alternative, which is not the truth. And that's how folk deceive themselves. But we went on to talk about this last week, that one way you become wiser is through association with wisdom. Remember that? Proverbs 13:20 says, "He that walks with wise men shall be wise, but a companion of fools shall be destroyed." The English says, "Keep company with the wise, and you will become wise." Do you believe that? How many in this place believe that? You hang around wise people. I'm not talking about for five minutes a year. You hang around where wisdom is spoken, wisdom is discussed, wisdom is taught, wisdom is lived, wisdom is demonstrated. What's going to happen to you? You will become wiser. You run with a bunch of idiots, a bunch of fools. I don't care how smart you started out. Will it affect you? First Corinthians says evil communications corrupt good manners. It will corrupt you. We're going to see that word again tonight. Corrupt. Do not think that you are so strong within yourself in God that you're impervious to any amount and any extent of association with wrong and evil. Oh, it won't bother me. So you listen to people talk junk all day. Ah, it won't bother me. It already has. The thing about it, it's subtle. I said it's subtle. And because it happens gradually, you're not seeing it. But if you're away from somebody for a year or two, and then they see you again, they'll see it. So it's real simple. Govern the amount of time you're spending with people and groups of people according to how much you want to be like them. Right? You might say, what about me influencing them? That's great. But are you? (laughs) Be honest with yourself. Who's influencing who here? You spend a day with them, a week with them. Are they really getting more holy or are you more carnal? Which one's going on? The Lord's talking to some folks right there. Hmm? No. Anyway, it is an absolute truth. You walk with wise, you become wiser. Now the Lord knows this. He's the one that said it. So he has plans for you and divine connections for you with people that have more faith than you. That know more of him than you do. That have more wisdom and understanding and knowledge of the holy than you do. And if you'll follow his plan. You'll wind up at the right places. At the right times in your life. 
with the right people. And what will happen to you? From year to year, you'll become stronger and wiser. Right? The devil also knows this. And so what would you suppose he seeks to do? He seeks two things. He seeks to separate you from those God has joined you to. Can you see this? The enemy is a divider. Jesus talked about this. Big part of what he does. He is a separator. He is a severer. And one of his big objectives is to separate you from the people God has intended that you fellowship with. Because a whole lot of things you're only going to get by being with them. Let me give you another illustration. The Bible said Jesus is the head. We are the body. Now you see my hand moving around here. The direction to make this hand do this is coming from where? The head. But did it come through the air from the head to the hand? No. It came through a number of other body parts. It came from the head but through the neck and through the shoulder and through the upper arm and through the lower arm and through the wrist. What if the hand and the wrist have a fallen out and get offended at each other? And the hand says, "Uh uh-uh, no, I'm tired of you, wrist. And the wrist says, well, I'm tired of you. The hand says, wrist, wrist, wrist. I'll wrist in the morning, wrist at noontime, wrist when I'm sick of wrist. (laughs) And the wrist says, well, I'm sick of you. I mean, you're always exposed. Everybody sees you. And I'm the one supporting you. And I'm the one backing you. So forget you. And the hand says, just me in the head. That's all I need. Just me in the head. Does that work? No. No. If the hand cuts itself off from the wrist, so much of what it gets from the head is designated of the Lord to flow through these body parts to it. Can you see why the devil seeks to engender strife and friction And problems, particularly between the people God has joined you to. Because if he can get you and them to get offended and bent out of shape and cut off from each other. Then he has effectively cut off the supply from the head to you. Oh yeah, you can still go to the Lord and pray. And there's some things you can get direct from the head. But there's a lot of things you're only going to get through the parts he's joined you to. He's not going to change it because y'all decided to not walk in love. So God is the one who implemented these principles. He knows if you walk with wise, you become wiser. So he has ordained throughout your life people that you're to be joined to and fellowship with and groups and individuals and groups of people. The devil knows this. So he seeks to separate you from these people. And then he has other people 
He seeks to join you to. That's going to take you down the road to destruction with them. Sinning buddies. Doubting buddies. Unbelieving and fear buddies. Are y'all with me on this? The devil has for you fear buddies. God has for you faith buddies. The devil has for you fool buddies. Y'all can go out together and act a fool. You can get drunk together. You can get high together. You can do stupid stuff together. You can waste all your money and tear up your car. You can kill yourself. The Bible talks about fools would not live out half their days. Ecclesiastes says, why should you be over much foolish and die before your time? There's a whole lot of people that die. And the thing that's aggravating about it is some preacher stood up over some you know, young person's casket and said, well, God in his infinite wisdom saw fit to take him because he was lonely in heaven and he needed another angel in the choir. No, no. They were foolish. And they died before their time. That's the truth. Are you with me? It's just by the grace of God that I'm standing up here before you. Because I did some foolish stuff. Don't look at me like that. Anybody else? (laughs) Ah, some stuff I did. Wrecks I had. And walked away. And I mean, you know, you too. Just the grace and mercy of God. But what if we had been walking in the wisdom of God back then? then we wouldn't have gone through that stuff. We wouldn't have been acting a fool like that. What grieves me so is to see young people, you know, teenagers, dead at 13, dead at 15, dead at 16. Why? Acting a fool. Trying to impress somebody. Doing something stupid. That ought not be. That's not our kids. That's not our youth. Because we have the wisdom of God. And we know who we are in Christ. And we ain't got to do something stupid because somebody dared us to. We're not so insecure that we have to prove that we're a man. Hmm? I dare you. What does that mean? Bark. Chicken, chicken. Bark, bark. You should just say, you look real dumb doing that. You're the one clucking. When you know who you are in Jesus, you are secure in him. You don't have to do a bunch of stupid stuff to prove that you're a man or you got any courage. Takes more courage to walk away while people are clucking and carrying on. We're going to all jump off. The, we're going to all do this. We're going to all drive our cars, you know, 100 mile an hour across the track before the train gets there. Say, well, I'm going home. Hope I see you at school. Yeah. <laughs> you got fools 
And you got wise. God has given us his wisdom. Let's get it. Let's walk in it. Go with me to James, please. My, my, my. I've got enough here for a good book. (laughs) And I know Phyllis and I are talking about this coming over tonight. I've gone a little long on the Friday nights. But I've told you why. I have never taught this this way before. I'm sure other people have taught on it, but I've never heard anybody teach it just this way before. So I'm taking each step by faith, and I'm believing for it. So it might take me a little bit longer to get to certain things, but uh, you're helping me to get it out, right? You, you're with me? We're all believing for this together. And so maybe in 20 years, the Lord tears is coming. I might be so slick on this. I could do the same thing in 30 minutes, you know, and shout hallelujah. But <laughs> we're developing, right? James 1, are you there? James 1, we talked about this already in the fifth verse. He said, if any of you lack wisdom, do what? So it is scriptural and it is right to ask. Everybody say ask. Ask for the wisdom. You run up against something. You don't know what to do. Don't just pull your hair and go, oh, you know, like... It's amazing how many Christians do this. Oh, my God, I don't know what I'm going to do. Well, they're talking unbelief and blasphemy. Using the Lord's name in vain. (laughs) People think that's a good Christian thing to say. No. You look up and you talk to him and say, Lord, I thank you that you're always with me. And I'm asking you for your wisdom to how to handle this particular thing. And by faith, I'm laying hold of it with my spirit. I'm getting it by faith. And what did he say? Ask. It shall be given to you. Right? He'll give it to you. He gives liberally to all men and he won't upbraid you and go, what a dummy you are. Yeah, you ought to be asking for wisdom. No, he's not like that. And you got to ask in faith, nothing wavering. Don't waver and vacillate about it. Just believe you receive your wisdom. But now go on to the third chapter. He goes into some detail further into this book about the wisdom of God. 3, James 3, 13. Who is a wise man and endued with knowledge among you? Let him show out of a good conversation. Now that's your lifestyle. That's your manner of life. The way you live. His works. So that's obvious. He's not just talking about talking. His works with meekness of wisdom. Now here he begins to describe godly wisdom and another kind of wisdom. Meekness of wisdom, he says. But if you have bitter envying and strife in your hearts, glory not and lie not against the truth. This wisdom, what kind of wisdom? You got to back up to the previous verse. What was he talking about? Envying and strife. Is there a wisdom that is involved are motivated, maybe I should say, by strife, yes, sir. 
So that sounds strange to us, doesn't it? A wisdom that was motivated by strife. See, that don't even sound right to us, does it? But read the very next verse. This wisdom comes where? Is there a wisdom that's not of God? This wisdom descends not from above. Well, if it's not from above, where would it be from? Beneath. If it's not from above, it'd be from beneath, below. And it is earthly, sensual, devilish. There is, brother, sister, a devilish wisdom. That's why the name of the series is what? Not just wisdom. The wisdom of God. God's wisdom. There is a devilish wisdom. A sensual, earthly wisdom. Now back up again. What is wisdom? It's skill at using knowledge and understanding. Are there people in this world that don't even know God? But they have a skill in using what they know. And using what they understand and are shrewd and know how to manipulate. Well, that's a wisdom. But it's devilish. We're not interested in that at all. I'd rather be ignorant. I'd rather be a simpleton, ignorant, than to be devilishly wise. Know how to manipulate. And the scripture talks of the Holy Spirit through Paul talks about people who handle the word of God even deceitfully. Anything that God gives us stewardship over, you can abuse it. There have been men and women of God. God graced them with an anointing, ability to speak, knowledge of the word and understanding of the word. And they felt pressure in some situation and they used it to manipulate people. Somebody said, that's bad. Be just as bad for you to use it to manipulate your husband or wife. Or child or somebody on the job. Or a sale, a client, customer. Right? We are not manipulators. Now the key here is honesty. See, people do stuff and act like they don't know. And then act surprised after they set the whole thing up. That's devilish. I said that's devilish. Now notice, he gives the uh, contrast. He said, that kind of wisdom, verse, got to back up to verse 14, where you see that people are envying in their heart and their strife motivating them, but they have this skill to manipulate. He said, it's not from above. I actually read this. It aggravated me when I read it. This well-known denomination, if I called their name, you'd know them. And they had this whole thesis on something they call 
divine deception. I mean, it made me mad. That, you know, be some of the people are so simple that in some cases we have to do some things to deceive them. It's deception, but it's for their own good. And in the law, are you kidding me? Any lie is of the devil. Period. He is the liar and the father of it. If you're a child of God and you're operating as a child of God, you've got two choices. Two choices only. Say nothing or tell the truth. That's it. That's it. You don't have to say everything you know. You don't have to answer every question. You can just say, I had some people pressing me about something a while back. Some folk have pressed me about details about the church. And I purposely didn't want to say. Because you're either bragging or comparing or something. They said, well, what about that? I said, I didn't say. They said, uh, yeah, yeah, I know. I'm asking you. I said, no, no, I didn't say. <laughs> what do you mean you didn't say? I didn't say. And I didn't say because I didn't want to say. (laughs) Yeah, but we asked you a question. Yeah, but I don't answer all questions. (laughs) You don't have to be mean. You don't have to be ugly. You don't have to get upset. You can just go, no, I don't want to talk about that. No, I don't want to get. But if I do answer something, it must be the truth. Honest. There is no such thing. As divine deception. Devilish deception is the only kind. He goes on to tell by contrast though the wisdom. He said verse 16. For where envying and strife is there is confusion and every evil work. The devil is manifested. But the wisdom that is from above. Now this is what we're getting right. That was a little weak. This is what we're getting. The wisdom that is from above. How can you tell the difference? It is pure. Everything about God is holy and clean and pure. It's pure and then what? Peaceable, gentle, easy to be entreated. You can talk to it. Easy to be, easy to talk to. Easy to be inquired of and entreated. Now, notice this. What a big contrast. Strife, peace. Man, you learn volumes about what's God and what is not just by those two things right there. When it's God, anything to do with God, any of His things, you will sense. His presence, and His presence always includes peace. Always. He's the God of peace. The Spirit of peace. Always. Peace. This other, I don't care how intellectual, how in-depth, how intriguing it might have been, if there's strife in the middle of it, you get away from it. The wisdom that is from above is first pure, peaceable, gentle, easy to be entreated, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality 
and without hypocrisy. No hypocrisy. No phoniness. No fakery. Right? The Lord was ministering to me about this earlier this week. About how important honesty is. We've talked about it. We've preached about it. But I just don't feel like I've gotten half of it out. In any area that you talk about. It comes back to that. Honesty. Integrity. Are you a true person? Are you fake? Are you genuine? Are you phony? We live in a world that is full of phony. Full of it. And if you came up in the world, then you learned how to do a bunch of phony stuff. And you learn how to put on facades and fake this. And that's one of the things that the ungodly world is so sick of is a fake church. People that live worse than they do, you know, during the week and they know it, but they uh, put on their religious face and actually preach condemnation against them come church time. No. We must be real. If you fail, you fail. If you messed up, you messed up. If you didn't know it, you didn't know it. If you didn't do it, you didn't do it. But you believe you can, please God. So you get back up and you go on. But you don't hide and you don't lie and you don't cover and you don't deceive. Because if you do, the Bible says you forsake your own mercy. And you won't prosper. He that covers his sins, he won't prosper. But if you confess them and forsake them, The Bible said, you'll have mercy. You'll have mercy. Amen. And this is the wisdom of God. All this is. Have you got time for some more? This is my first point. (laughs) It is. I'm not saying we're covered them all tonight, but. There is a godly wisdom, and there is a devilish wisdom. Go back to Genesis real quickly, and the third chapter, and let me remind you of this devilish wisdom. Thank you, Lord. Genesis 3, and while you're turning, make these confessions say, I have the mind of Christ, Christ. the wisdom of God. Is in me. In fact. Let me do it this way. On your way to Genesis. You go right by Isaiah. So stop by. On your way to Genesis. Stop by in Isaiah 11. And instead of me leading you in this. You read this out loud. And confess it over yourself. Isaiah. 11. Verse 2, everybody say this out loud over yourself. The Spirit of the Lord rests on me. The Spirit of wisdom and understanding. The Spirit of counsel and might. The Spirit of knowledge and of the fear of the Lord. And He makes me... Of quick understanding in the fear of the Lord. I shall not judge after the sight of my eyes. 
nor reprove after the hearing of my ears, but say this, but I judge righteous judgment. You don't judge after what you see and what you hear. Well, then you ain't walking beside. What are you judging by? The spirit of wisdom is on me. The spirit of the Lord. Now notice among other things, the spirit, read through it again. The spirit of what? Wisdom and understanding. The spirit of what? Counsel and might. Let's just stop right there. That's what we're camping on some tonight. Counsel. Counsel. Will the Spirit of God counsel you? In fact, that's one of his names, right? I mean, if you look up the uh, manifold meaning of the word paraclete, that's so frequently translated helper in the King James, one of those names is counselor. You see it in the Amplified Bible. Counselor. Is he your counselor? But when you learn about this, you won't be running to people so much to counsel anymore. You just go straight to the source. Now what is counsel? One word for counsel, I looked it up today, it's a To advise. We use it the same way modern usage. To advise or and usually to advise as to a course of action. To advise as to a a response or action. When you come up to something and you don't know what to do. You are not left without recourse. You have within you and upon you the spirit of counsel. And he will advise you as to the right course of action. Well, there's someone else who seeks to advise you and counsel you directly and through other people. And it is a devilish wisdom. And it'll put you on a path of destruction. And we have to decide which one we're going to listen to. We see, I mean, from the beginning it was this way. In Genesis 3, are you there? You remember what happened here? From the beginning. Adam and Eve. Out there by the tree. Hanging around the wrong tree. Looking at the wrong tree. Right? They had all these other trees. Had a garden full of trees. Could have been hanging around them. Eating fruit off them. Why is it? That the one thing you're not supposed to have. Hmm? The one thing. Well I could meddle there. (laughs) Had God given them counsel already. Had they received godly counsel. And wisdom. See, wisdom gives you revelation about the plan of God and about the future. Had they gotten any wisdom from God about this? He told them, you don't eat of the fruit of this tree. Because if you do, here's knowledge. Right? Knowledge. This is evil. This is bad. I've told you. Right? What does bad mean? They wouldn't have had a clue. Here's understanding. Here's bad. You eat it. You die. Right? 
That's understanding and it's wisdom that foretells how this thing will turn out if you do it. They have received the counsel of God. It didn't vex them. It was pure. Right? It was gentle. It was peace. It was life. And I don't know how long they made it. Walking in that counsel and wisdom. Until they got to hanging around this tree too much. And now they're hanging out here. And here's somebody else. To give them some counsel. Oh, are y'all with me now? Is there a lot of counsel around? And there's a whole lot of free advice. And a lot of it's worth about what you paid for. But where's that counsel coming from? Here, the enemy. The Bible said, verse 1, Genesis 3, 1. Now the serpent was more what? Subtle. Subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, yeah, has God said you shall not eat of every tree of the garden? The woman said, we may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God said, you shall not eat of it, neither shall you touch it, lest you die. She's not confused. She's been counseled. And the serpent said to the woman, you shall not surely die. What is that? That is a bald face, bare face, despicable lie. And that's who he is, and that's what he is. No, he's no, you won't die. And see, here's the wisdom now. His devilish wisdom. No, you won't die. See, God knows that when you do eat this, man, you'll have wisdom like he does. What's this about? She saw it was a tree to be desired to what? To make one wise. To make one what? What appealed to her? Oh, man, you'll know. You'll have wisdom. You'll be like God's. They already were. <laughs> you'll be like God's and you'll know good and evil. You know, he's telling her about this wisdom. What a paradox. Self-contradictory thing to say and do. What do you mean? This is going to make you wise? This is the dumbest thing that anybody ever did on the planet. And it was done with the promise of, oh, you'll be so wise. The Bible says concerning the devil, let me read, don't turn there, but let me read this to you. Ezekiel 28, the prophet refers to the king of Tyrus. And as you read through the passage, you can tell he's talking about Lucifer. And this is what it says. Thus says the Lord God, this is Ezekiel 28, 12. Talking to the enemy, the devil. You sealed up the sum full of wisdom and perfect in beauty. He's talking about who we call the devil now. Now he wasn't the devil then. Full of wisdom. 
He went on to say, you were perfect in your ways from the day that you were created until iniquity was found in you. Nobody tempted the devil to sin. God didn't make him with anything wrong or perverted. It was found in him. He used what God gave him and twisted it. He did it. And the Bible said in verse 17, Ezekiel 28, 17, your heart was lifted up because of your beauty. How many understand he was not made a devil? He was made beautiful. He was made full of wisdom. He was made the anointed cherub that covers in the presence of the Almighty. But he said, you have corrupted your wisdom. Did you hear that phrase? You have corrupted your wisdom and I will cast you to the ground and lay you before kings that they may behold you. He corrupted his wisdom. The Bible said in the New Testament. 2 Corinthians 11.3, don't turn there, but just listen. 2 Corinthians 11.3, he's telling those individuals, he said, I fear lest by any means as the serpent beguiled Eve through his subtlety, so your mind should be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. Did you notice this? When they started off with this, the devil says, did God say? She said, just what God said, yeah. He said, you don't eat the fruit of the tree, you do, you'll die. Simple. Then here he comes complicating stuff. Well, yeah, now he said that. But, you know, you won't really die. No, not like you're thinking about. And what was so simple and plain in her mind is becoming complicated. Yeah, but I thought that's what he said. Yeah, I know it's what you thought. And that's what he said. But. And it got more and more complicated. And her mind was corrupted. From the simplicity. That's what the Bible says. We're talking about the kingdom of God on Sundays. You know. Unless you're converted. And become how? As a little child. You won't enter the kingdom of God. If God says you're healed. What do you say? I'm healed. Yeah. But now you don't understand. See, nobody in this condition has ever recovered. You're in stage five. And, you know, I know God loves you. And you'll be, you know, we're going to all be healed, if not in this life, through death. And you're thinking, healed in death? Man, this is getting complicated. No, no, no. By his stripes, I am healed. Period, period, period. Period. Keep it simple. Simple. Basic. Yeah, but what about... See, learn to identify the counsel of the devil. It's very subtle. It's very crafty. You believe in God meets all your needs. Have you ever heard of any other stuff, though? Yeah, but now see... You didn't obey God on that and in this and the economy and in this and in that. And you're thinking, yeah, how do I believe in that case? And the moment you start scrunching up your face and going, 
God help me. He's already helped you. He didn't confuse you. Right? It wasn't his direction that confused you. It wasn't his word that confused you. If you're still on his word, it'd be real simple, real basic. My God shall supply all my needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. That's it. It's not complicated. That's it. Faith people keep it simple. That's how you get results. Keep it simple. The more complicated it gets, it just means you've been listening to devilish counsel. Hmm. <laughs> oh my. Thank you, Father. Go to Second Samuel, and I'm going to give you at least one example of wisdom. Godly and the other kind. In this passage here, that man just, when I first read it as a boy, a number of years ago, it etched in my spirit, and today I use these phrases and think about it. The setting is David, King David. And how because of his failures and his sin, the kingdom is disrupted and shaken. And his own son leads a rebellion against him. And actually a military coup within the kingdom. And David and his, uh, the royal family have to flee from the palace and leave town for their lives. And that's what's going on in this, right here in Second Samuel 15. Now we're told some detail about some of David's staff. And some of his advisors. The Bible said in 2 Samuel 15. Verse 31. 1531. One told David saying. Ahithophel. Is among the conspirators with Absalom. Everybody say Ahithophel. Now if you didn't know about. You know they didn't just name them Dan and Bob and Tom like we do now. But. Ahithophel, if you're not familiar with it, we'll see it in just a minute. The Bible said, asking counsel at Ahithophel's mouth was like hearing from the oracles of God. His wisdom was renowned. You're going to see it in just a few minutes. I didn't make that up. That's what the scripture says. And uh, Ahithophel was one of David's chief, maybe his chief, counselor, concerning all matters of the kingdom. And somebody told him while they're running away, Ahithophel didn't come with us. He's joined up with Absalom. He's a part of the conspiracy. What does that mean? They have his wisdom. Now look at this. David said, Oh my Lord, what are we going to do? I mean, Ahithophel's half the brains of the military. Uh Uh-uh. Oh, look what a man and woman of God does. 
I mean, before anybody else can even say anything, what does he do? He prays. Oh, did you get this? Now, he heard this and he said, Lord, I pray you, I'm asking you to turn the counsel of Ahithophel into foolishness. I don't care how wise you are. There's somebody wiser than you. It's the Almighty. Right? He said, Lord, I'm asking you, turn the counsel of Ahithophel into foolishness. Now, you got it right there. If you got some really, 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 really smart people against you. <laughs> oh, Brother Keith, they're the best lawyer money can buy. They got three degrees. Quit talking. What do we do? Lord, <laughs> turn their counsel into foolishness. Because no weapon formed against me shall prosper. Our righteousness is of him, the Lord. And the wise one is on our side. Well, keep reading. Hushai, who is another one of the uh, king's main counselors and his friend. The Bible said this was his friend. And how many of your real friends stay with you? When you're popular, when you're not. When you're the biggest thing in town and when you got to run away. Right? Your real friends are with you. And Hushai was there. And uh, the Bible said in the 16th chapter here. If you skip on down to the 20th verse, 2 Samuel 16, 20. Absalom, who is the renegade son, he says to Ahithophel, everybody knew Ahithophel, you want to know what to do? Ask Ahithophel. He said, give counsel among you what we shall do. Ahithophel said to Absalom, Go in to your father's concubines, which he has left to keep the house. Israel will hear that you are abhorred of your father. Then shall the hands of all that are with you be strong. So they spread Absalom a tent upon the top of the house, and Absalom went in unto his father's concubines in the sight of all Israel. He slept with his father's wives in a tent on top of the building. Where everybody could see it and knew about it. Is that wisdom? Yeah. It is. Is Ahithophel just trying to get him to do something lewd? And is Ahithophel, he's portrayed as one of the wisest men anywhere? Why did he tell him to do this? It's right here in the text. Why? So that the hands of everybody that's with you will be what? What's he saying? There will be no going back. Everybody will see. There ain't no going back. So they will be with you 100%. And they'll know there ain't no way that he and daddy is going to work this out. This is wisdom. But it's devilish. Are y'all with me on this? Now, this is a little bit different, but it's the Word of God. 
And you can see it. And then he went on to say, chapter 17, Moreover, Ahithophel said to Absalom, Let me get 12,000 men and I will leave tonight and go after David. I'll come on him while he's weary and while he's weak-handed and I'll make him afraid and all the people that are with him will flee and we'll kill just the king. And I'll bring all the people back to you. Because the man you seek is as if all returned and all the people will be in peace. Is this wisdom? It is. He's saying, there's no need in dragging this thing out. Give me 12,000 crack troops right now and I'll find him. He's shaken. He's out of place. He's tired from traveling. And we'll come on him in a blitz and I'll take him out. And when he's gone, ain't nobody else going to have any fight in him. And you'll have all the people. Is that wisdom? It is. Devilish wisdom. And uh, when he finished that, verse 4, the saying pleased Absalom well and all the elders of Israel. They all said, yep, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the thing to do. But then Absalom said, call Hushai the archite. Now this is David's personal friend. Who's only back in town there because David sent him back. He said, I'm going to stay with you. He said, no, you can help me more if you're my eyes and ears in the palace. So he said, whatever you say. And he went back. And his wisdom and counsel was so highly regarded that even though they had heard Ahithophel and everybody thought, man, that's, yeah, that's the thing to do. They said, well, no, hold on. We hadn't heard from Hushai. So he said, "Uh, Hushai, tell us what to do. And uh, verse 7, Hushai said to Absalom, the counsel that Ahithophel has given is not good right now. Why? He had just seen David and their company, and they were just like Ahithophel said. They were weak, they were worn out, they were shaken. What's he thinking? I got to give my friend some time. I got to buy him some time so they can get out of here, so they can get regrouped, so they can get built back up. So he's saying, no, that's not what to do right now. He said, uh, you know that your daddy and his men, that they are mighty men and everybody <laughs> in the whole wide country knew that. Lions of men. Fighters, you do not want to square off with one of these guys. And he said, see, instead of talking about how weak and shaken they are, he said, they are chafed. In their mind, like a bear that's been robbed of her cubs. <laughs> he said, you don't want to grab them right now. <laughs> and your father is a man of war. He won't even be sleeping. He won't even be among the people. And he was. Look, he's hid now in some pit or in some other place. And it'll come to pass when some of them be overthrown at the first 
And whoever hears it will say, there's a slaughter among the people that follow Absalom. And he that's valiant, whose heart's like the heart of a lion, will melt. For all Israel knows that your father is a mighty man and everybody with him are valiant men. Now, while he's saying that, everybody in that place is going, yeah, I fought beside him. He said, now let me tell you what to do. Let's let the whole country be gathered together. Well, how long is that going to take? <laughs> this is wisdom. We're talking about a draft for the whole nation. And uh, we're going to gather everybody from Dan to Beersheba. As the sand that's by the sea for multitude. And then you go to battle yourself. You lead this thing yourself. And so when we come on him. In some place we'll find him. We'll light on him like the dew that falls on the ground. And of him and all the men that are with him. There won't be left so much as one. We will wipe them out. If he gets into some city. There'll be so many of us. We'll get ropes and just drag the city down. Verse 14, Absalom and all the men of Israel said, The counsel of Hushai, the archite, is better than the counsel of Ahithophel. Was it? No. not. They're wanting to know what's going to work for them. And what did it say? Why? Oh, come on. Are you reading this? Why? For the Lord had appointed to defeat. The good counsel of Ahithophel to the intent the Lord might bring evil on Absalom. So then Hushai, he sent word to the priest and said, this is what Ahithophel counseled and this is what I counseled. So you need to hurry up and get out of town because this is their plan. Did you see here wisdom? Not all of it godly. Right? Right? And yet wisdom. Now skip down to something else and you'll see that Ahithophel really was a wise man. If you skip down to the 23rd chapter 17. The 23rd verse, excuse me. 17.23. And when Ahithophel saw that his counsel was not followed, he saddled his ass. And arose and got him home to his house, to his city. He put his house in order and he hung himself and died and was buried in the sepulchre of his father. Why? Because he knew it wasn't going to work. Wisdom. He really was wise. Just because you have some wisdom doesn't make you a good person. Can you see this? But he really was wise. A part of wisdom is you don't just wait till it happens and get surprised. Wisdom sees the end from the beginning. How did Ahithophel get like this? And why was he like them? Talking about wisdom. God joined him to David, the anointed. Didn't he? He's been around that anointing for all these years. And how many know David's no dummy himself? And all this wisdom and all this anointing that flows out of him. And in that environment of purity and holiness and godliness, Ahithophel's wisdom has just developed 
to amazing heights. And there's a reason why he's there after all these years in esteem. He helped David. He had the right word at the right time again and again and again and again. Can you though take what God has given you and abuse it? And use it for selfish and wrong things? He did. And he had enough wisdom to see and know that when they all started nodding their heads about Hushai's going to draft everybody in the country. And we're going, oh, he knew, uh uh-oh. That's it. And he could see them starting agreeing with him. As far as he was concerned, he was as good as dead right now. He could see where it was going. He could say, he didn't wait. He left the whole deal. He went back home and put his paperwork in order. And he said, that's it. And he was right. It wasn't long. This thing was over. Absalom was dead. David's back in the palace. Now I went through this because to me, you see so much about the nature of wisdom in all this, don't you? You see devilish wisdom. You see godly wisdom. You see how it flows and operates. Can we operate in higher degrees of the wisdom of God? Go to Exodus 18, please. I think I can close on this. Let me show you some godly wisdom. Something God ministered to Phyllis and I this week. I didn't know it'd be in my message tonight. Exodus 18. Are you there? Y'all still happy? About happy? Healthy? Wealthy? Wise? (laughs) That's us. Good looking. Yeah, don't forget good looking. Okay. <laughs> Exodus 18. Moses is uh, in the wilderness with the people. And his daddy-in-law comes to see him. Jethro. Everybody remember Jethro? Not on the Beverly Hillbillies. No, this, this was a long time before the Beverly Hillbillies. And after reading this tonight, you should have a different idea of Jethro. When you think Jethro, you ought not think somebody that's, uh, what, what he used to say about arithmetic? Something about his cipher, and I forget. Anyway, he didn't do too good in school. But Jethro, on the other hand. Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, shows up. And with some of Moses' family with him. And they have a big time. They have a big meal. They all sit down and eat. Everything's great. He's so glad he came to visit him. Hadn't seen each other in years. And he told him about all the things God's done for him. How he brought him out of Egypt. And how he split the Red Sea. And how he's fed them with manna and water out of the rock. And man, they just they had a great time. And the next day, Moses gets up and goes to work. Like he did every most every day. And uh, the Bible said, in Exodus 18, 13, it came to pass on the morrow that Moses sat to judge the people. And the people stood by Moses from the morning until the evening. How long is that? How many hours would that be? Well, when the days are long, I mean, that's more than 12. 12, 14, 15 hour days. 
Right? And the people stood by to see him. Apparently he is on some kind of a judgment seat or something. And people are lined as far as you can see them. And around the corner and around the blocks. And he's taking them one at a time or two at a time. Whoever's involved in this particular case. And he's doing it all day long. And uh, Moses' father-in-law, when he saw, verse 14, that he did what he did for all the people, he said, what is this thing that you are doing to the people? Why do you sit yourself alone and all the people stand by you from morning to evening? And Moses said to his father-in-law, well, because the people come to me to inquire of God. And when they have a matter, they come to me, and I judge between one and another, and I do make them to know the statutes of God and his laws. How many think Moses was honest about this? Yes, well, you've got to say something about his uh, dedication, yes. right? Yes. But not about wisdom. How many know you can be dedicated and not wise? I've said this many times. The Lord gave it to me years ago. It's more important to be led than to be diligent. It's more important to be led than to be thorough. It's more important to be led. And Moses' uh, father-in-law said to him, the thing that you're doing is not good. It's not good. You will surely wear away both you and this people that's with you. Now, did you get this? And the people too. You're going to wear yourself out and you're going to wear them out too. Well, for one thing, they're all waiting to see. It's wearing them out. And certainly wearing him out. He said, the thing's too heavy for you. You are not able to perform it yourself alone. Hearken now to me. I will give you what? Counsel. And God be with you. You be for the people to Godward that they may bring the causes to God. That you may bring the causes to God. And you'll teach them ordinances and laws and show them the way wherein they must walk and the work they must do. Moreover, you will provide out of the people able men such as fear God, men of truth, hating covetousness. And place such over to be rulers of thousands and rulers of hundreds and rulers of fifties and rulers of tens. And let them judge the people at all seasons. And it will be that every great matter they bring to you, but every small matter they will judge. And it will be easier for yourself and they will bear the burden with you. What is that? That is the wisdom of God. Now you know the church is growing. We got our service teams. And uh, Phyllis, bless her heart, has been pulling a Moses. I mean from early to late. Emails, decisions, phone calls. I help some. But the Lord is dealing with both of us about this. And we've already got service teams in place. And about what to do. And we, some things have already begun to be implemented. But the wisdom of God is such that. 
There were 603,550 soldiers, I think it was, in this bunch. Just men of military age. You add to that the women and the children and the older people, you got at least a million people. Maybe closer to two. If we're conservative, and say it's a million, which is very conservative, the rulers over the thousands, hundreds, fifties, tens, we figured up is approximately 131,000 people. He's trying to do the job of 131,000 people. People. Ain't no way. <laughs> right? They ain't enough hours in the day. They ain't enough years in a man or woman's life. Right? But see, as fine a man as he was, he's still sitting there. What's your number? <laughs> you can't see the end of the line. Oh, come on now. Are y'all with me or not? He is trying to do the job of 131,000 people by himself. That's foolish. Don't care what, how fine a man or woman you are. That's foolish. But he didn't see it. Oh, and he did what the Lord, the wisdom the Lord gave him through his father-in-law. He did it. He put it into practice. I mean, it sounds like almost the next day or so, you got this 131,000 people doing all these jobs, and he's got this taken off of him. And here's the thing. All the people were already there. Did you get that? Now, I'm not just talking about Moses anymore. Now, I'm talking about you. I'm talking about me. All the people and the resources were already there. He just didn't have the wisdom to utilize them properly. It was already there. All of it was already there. And boy, God's been helping us this week. I mean, revelation to Phyllis and to myself of what to do and how and where. And this thing's popping and it's going. It will enable us to increase mightily. But it's wisdom. Now, here's the thing. Some of the countries where the people are devastated the most financially, starving to death, are some of the richest countries resource-wise on the planet. The resources are there for all of them to be rich. But why are they starving? No wisdom. Things are not dealt with in wisdom. Things are not set up right. I mean, you don't even want to know some of the stuff that tons and tons and tons of food is left sitting in the harbor to rot while people die a few miles away. Because people are ignorant and all their bureaucracy and all their red tape and all No wisdom. No wisdom. No wisdom. Take 30 days to do nothing. Oh, but in God. I said in God, there's wisdom to eliminate all the wasted time and all the wasted money and make this thing run like a fine clock. Right? And nobody's overworked and everybody's utilized and everybody's needs are met and everybody's happy and... That's the will of God. That's the plan of God. And there is wisdom of God in you and in me to make it so. Can you say amen? 
Remember the widow woman that came and said, Oh, man of God, they're about to come and take my boys and everything I got, and I don't know what to do. What did he say? What do you have in the house? (laughs) He told her what to do and how to sow it out and how to pour it out. Next thing you know, all her needs are met. See, people are praying and begging and wondering, and just like Moses, all the resources are already right there. They're there. You're just not seeing them. You're not perceiving them. You're not understanding them. Do you suppose in your life? Do you suppose in your life there are resources you're not seeing? That's two weeks. Stand up on your feet. We're going to pray about it. We're going to act on it. I said, do you suppose? Or do you imagine that you are already have maximized and are utilizing every resource God has given you? To its maximum potential. <laughs> That's a joke. Close your eyes and lift up your heart before the Lord. Sit out loud. Father God. Open my eyes. To see the resources. That are under my hand right now. Everything I have access to. That I'm not utilizing. Everything you've put in me and made available to me and taught me that I am not using or that I am not fully using, I ask for your knowledge and understanding concerning all these things and I ask for your wisdom in Jesus' name. Now pray in the Spirit, son. You're praying about this. Oh, kole anasti, evile blazdi of a covered brass, do covered derabe de dinele cante banatatasa, nombre, isto, aidro, efri, ebre, esdo, oisdin, ande, elestash. Oh, give us the opening of eyes. To stop overlooking what we've been overlooking. To see it. To understand it. To know how to use it. The skill and wisdom. To know how. Oh, socale, elevlady, ambre besto, ambre diso, mandelasto, bidiesto, badieta, bandiondo, mandieda. Asaha, I see that. I see that. Novel emblem is the son of Van Comber Embrace, Abbe de Breve, Balevle Bassi, Vode de Doshi, Vedi Bedesi, Sele Blavati, Croge dia Judo deo Suso de la Tachi. Hallelujah. One thing, something the Lord's already said to us about, about, you know what, we've, I've talked about it before, you might have thought it was just some little light thing, about Cleaning out your closets, cleaning out your uh, garages and your dresser drawers and seeing what you got. The Bible said be diligent to know the state of your flocks, to know what you have, where it's at. Because the Lord spoke to my spirit just now. So much unsown seed. So many things that are seed but not being esteemed. Don't even know you got it. You forgot you got it. And it ought to be in somebody else's house. That's too weak, guys. Take inventory. 
Every dollar you got, every investment you got, every piece of clothing, every piece of jewelry, everything you got. Take inventory. And as you do, God's going to show you. Sow that over there. Sow that over here. Sow this. And it's going to open some things. It's the wisdom of God for some harvest in the future. Let's pray some more. Pray some more. Oh, Viamakale place nongatea nechi. More drainus. More de manasi. Yeah, yeah. Mondela nala kablasati le beste. Asatea chdochi. Bejdi andadana tosa. Dendia nakale plaba da atea deshi. Dele flebaga ale plaba do dosu so do doji do doochi. Yes, listen now. Listen, listen. The Lord's answering our prayers right now. Uh, Here's another area of not utilizing. The, the Lord spoke this to my heart. Not listening and paying attention to the wisdom that comes through those I've already joined you to. Ignoring it. Taking it for granted. Not listening to your husband. Not listening to your wife. Not listening to your pastor. Not listening to that brother and sister in Christ that have joined you to. Not listening. Oh, that's just so and so. And someone says, I, that's exactly right, Brother Keith. I've been telling him he's supposed to listen to me. No, he's talking to you. You're the one supposed to be listening. Not utilizing, not, not taking advantage of the wisdom that's already flowing through the mouths of the people that are already around us because we see them after the flesh. Oh, that's just so and so. Oh, that's just so and so. No, close your eyes. Look a little closer. You'll hear it's me. The wisdom of God is coming out of their mouth to you. Hakasti. Pray some more. Pray some more. O vidaine le post deal and campala natale nichi. Brave de lamba da gona onte on tonchti. Divile blaze ninto in a pala floma no combara nepra instanti anesti. O vida digo do itio tawa utico toe la toe tia te eletici. Mandila no onto no tosse. Mondi vale pro di la croji la ta. Dele gradile prova de la pro di vele bra di la prachkitia. Prastia, prastia, prastia. Hallelujah. Said out loud, thank you, Lord, for showing me every opportunity overlooked, every resource not utilized thank you for opening my eyes thank you for filling me with the spirit of wisdom and understanding and counsel and might I live in the counsel of the most high the wisdom of God lives in me and directs me Every day and night. Hallelujah. Oh, thank you, Lord. Let's praise Him. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Praise you, Lord. Praise you, Lord. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.